If you haven't been in the class before, this is the third class, and it is uh, it is being recorded, so you can go back and watch the other ones if you like. And uh, and the class is on angels and demons. Today we're going to talk about. Uh, we've talked to the last two classes about angels and a little bit about demons and how they function. And today we'll talk a little bit more about demons. They're just a kind of like my dog Roscoe, <laughs> just pets. So in your notes, number one, demons are an ugly bunch. Now, if you go through the Bible, and what I did for this class is I went through and got every verse on angels that there are. There's 180 verses, uh, approximately, and on, on demons, and there's a shade over 100 verses. And uh, a few more if you take some of the ones that maybe, maybe not, you don't, can't tell whether it's talking about angels, demons, or just uh, uh, dogs. But we'll see some of those. So demons, and there's a few places where they describe them. And the most vivid description is the one in Revelation. The average individual doesn't connect them with demons because it doesn't use the word. Uh, but it's obviously a supernatural being. Uh, so I'll read it. The fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star from heaven which had fallen to the earth, and the key of the bottomless pit was given to him. He opened the bottomless pit, and smoke went out of the pit, like the smoke of a great furnace, sort of like a, an eruption. You know, uh, Mount St. Helens blowing up. Smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke came locusts, locusts upon the earth, and power was given to them. Now notice that. We're going to come back to that statement. Power was given to them. We ask the question, who gave it to them? I didn't give it to them. Did you give it to them? Anybody here going to give it power to these locusts? No, we don't even have any enough to give to them. So it's obviously God that gives them this power. As the scorpions of the earth have power. They were told not to hurt the grass. They were told not to hurt the grass. We'll come to that one as well. Only do what they get permission to do. They only can do what they get permission to do. They're told not to hurt the grass of the earth, nor any green thing, nor any tree. But only men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were not permitted to kill anyone, but to torment for five months. So these guys, their assignment is to torture for five months. People who uh, don't know God, don't have the seal of God on their foreheads. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings a man. And in those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die and death flees from them. The appearance, okay, here's going to get a little description of these dudes. The, the appearance of the locusts was like horses. Now, if we ask, okay, how big is a demon anyway? Well, there's obviously different sized demons, different uh, roles of demons. But th- these here are fairly big if we uh, go by the size of a horse. Prepared for battle, their heads appeared to be, cr- on their heads appeared to be crowns like gold. Their faces were like faces of men. They had their, and had hair like the hair of a woman. And their teeth were like the teeth of lions. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots. Of many horses rushing to battle. They have tails like scorpions and stings. And in their tail is the power to hurt men for five months. They have as king over them the angel of the abyss. Uh, The word angel is supernatural being. Obviously there's good angels, bad angels. These aren't particularly good sounding ones. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon. And in the Greek he has the name Apollyon. First woe is past. Behold two woes are still coming after these things. Now... If you took my class that I taught last year on um, 
um, the book of Revelation and prophecy and things that come with prophecy, one of the things that I taught was that we're going to leave this place and there are going to be some people that are going to stay. And this event, uh, according to the teaching I did, we won't be here. So it's kind of fun to read about something that's going to happen that, eh, it's sort of like watching a movie, you know? It can be a nasty, mean movie, but I'm sitting in a comfortable seat. You know, you ever go to that theater that's got recliner seats now? Yeah, yeah, I go to that one. I recline my feet up, sit there with a, a pop in one hand and popcorn in the other hand and watching all this, uh, all these people getting killed and shot, you know, all that stuff. That's kind of like, now we read about it. And so we're not there. So we just get to see what happens. So demons have names. Here's a couple of them. And then there's some other passages where names are given to them as well. So they have names. There's a bunch of them, and I don't know how creative the names are. I don't know if any of them are named D or not. <laughs> I wonder if any of them are named Bill or Bob or whatever. Apollyon, Abaddon. Demons have the, number three, demons have the power to affect and influence the circumstances of our life as they are given permission. So they can do no more than they're given permission to do. So they're not running around doing whatever they want. That's a good thing. Then out of the smoke came locusts upon the earth. The power was given to them. They wouldn't have any if it wasn't given to them. Power was given to them. The scorpions of the earth have power. They were told. They were told. In other words, here's the rules, boys. They were told not to hurt the grass of the earth, nor any green thing, nor any tree, but only the men who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were not permitted. They were not permitted. They can't do beyond what they're given permission to do. To kill anyone but to torment for five months. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings a man. And in those days men will seek death, will not find it. They will long to die. In the story of Job, you remember that uh, probably in Job chapter 1. Satan and God are having a conversation about Job. Have you not made a hedge about him? The devil says to God, have you not made a hedge about him? There's a... uh, Rich, see a hands over here wants some notes. Have you not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands. His possessions have increased in the land, but put forth your hand now and touch all that he has. He will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not put your hand on him. And so he was only able to do what God gave him permission to do. And the statement that he makes up front, Have you not made a hedge about him? So... When we became a believer in Jesus Christ, one of the things that happened was there was a fence built around us. Whether that fence is angels or what, I don't know. But we are protected by God. We are protected by God against evil. As, and there's a whole bunch of verses that I'll bring in in weeks to come that teach that very thing. Uh, the way I look at it, and I used to have this little video, I've, I should show it again. Some of you may remember. I went to Hawaii, Patty and I went to Hawaii to visit our daughter and son-in-law and three grandkids there. And he said, anything you want to do while you're here? I said, well, I don't know, what do you recommend? He said, well, they have this thing where you, 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 you swim with the sharks. I said, really? I mean, what keeps them from eating me? Well, you're inside a cage. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Let's do that one. 
So we go out there, and there's this place where they put a bunch of fish carcasses and stuff to track all the sharks, and then they put you in this cage, and you have a snorkel, a tube that goes up to the top, and you go down there, and there's big, I mean, huge sharks all around, 50, 60 sharks everywhere swimming around this cage, and you're down there. And my son-in-law gave me a GoPro camera, and I had it mounted on me, and so I took pictures of the sharks as they swam by. And if, if you saw it, you remember when I came back, he took it and edited it, and he put the uh, Jaws theme song with it. So I showed it here in church and these sharks. And so was I worried about those sharks? Yeah. A couple of times I looked down and saw my toes were sticking out. I kind of pulled them back in a little bit. But I was inside a cage. They were out there swimming around. They couldn't touch me because I was in the cage. And so same thing's true now. But when we went out to that cage uh, in a boat, there was another group there. And they were from Japan. I don't think they spoke English. And they were college-age kids, about six, seven, eight uh, young men. For some reason, they all got on the same side. You just hang on to the bars. Uh, They got on the same side. Well, it sunk the top of the cage down under the water about six, seven, eight feet. The other side was up. They didn't realize that now those sharks could swim right in. And so the guy in the boat's yelling and screaming at them, and they can't hear. And finally, we got close enough that they heard and and changed it. But I thought, wow, that had been cool if one had swam in there I could have got some great pictures (laughs) so your cage has some doors in it you can open them up I can't open your doors up only you can open them up and you would say why would anybody do that that's a good question but you can and there's things you do that open up the door that God has built around you to keep demons from your life Uh, and so It's a good thing to know what those are and not do them because when you do, you give the devil and his demons an opportunity and they get real close to you as a result of that. Um, Number four, they also have the power to touch our physical bodies as they are given permission. They can control circumstances and they can also uh, affect us physically. But only as they're given permission. Again, in Revelations 9, to torment for five months. Their torment was like the uh, torment of a scorpion when it stings a man. In those days, men will seek death, will not find it. They will long to die, and death flees from them. Number five, what we do, decisions that we make in life, appear to be a factor much of the time in demons' access to our life. So these dudes here in Revelations 9, there was a particular group, those who did not have the seal of God on their forehead, that is those who were not in God's family. Um, Ephesians uh, 4.26, be angry. I get angry about every 10 minutes about something. And yet do not sin. So I can get angry, but I don't have to yell, be mean, act rude, tell anybody off. Feel the emotion of anger, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down. If you do, don't let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, hey, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? I blew it. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Do not give the devil 
An opportunity, that word opportunity means don't open the door so that he has access to your life. It literally means, the Greek word means a foothold, uh, a place to stand, legal jurisdiction. So if you get angry at your wife and you just figure she'll get over it, don't do anything about it, um, you're stupid. Unless you like doing hand-to-hand combat with demons. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. You give the devil a foothold, opportunity, legal jurisdiction in your life. And so, wives, if your husband yells at you, just tell him, make sure you take care of this before the sun goes down. Uh, Otherwise, you're in big trouble. Six, it appears that demons have rules and parameters set by God that they have to follow, and they're attacking and influencing people. If they break them, they get sent to the bottomless pit or the abyss. That's where these ones in Revelations 9 came out of. They were there. They'd been there for a while. So it's sort of like demon jail. If they don't follow the rules that God has set for them, then they get sent to demon jail. And it's called the abyss. It's called the bottomless pit. It's called a number of things. 2 Peter 2, 4, 4, if God did not spare angels when they sinned, that's an interesting thing that angels, demons can actually sin. That means they break the rules that God has set. But cast them into hell and committed them to pits of darkness reserved for judgment. Luke eight twenty nine. for he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man for it had seized him many times. And he was bound with chains and shackles and kept under guard, yet he would break his bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. It's interesting to see what that demon could do to that dude. And Jesus asked him, what's your name? He said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They were imploring him not to command them to go into the abyss. And so they knew who Jesus was, and they would say, please, please don't send us to the abyss. They don't want to go to the abyss. Dark, it's bottomless, they can't do anything, there's no fishing, nobody to torment Don't send us to the abyss. Now, there was a herd of many swine feeding there on the mountain, and the demons implored him to permit them to enter the swine. He gave them permission, and the demons came out of the man, entered the swine. The herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Now, we don't know what happened to the demons when the pigs drowned. Obviously, they weren't in the pigs. But another observation that I didn't write down is that demons can uh, inhabit animals. And... uh, So I don't know if the last elk I shot had a demon in it or not. And what they act like when they do. But it's obviously that they were able to enter into the pigs. And they act crazy when that happened. And they drowned themselves. And I don't know what happened to the demons. June 6th, the angels who did not keep their own domain but abandoned their proper abode. He has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. And so uh, demons have rules. And if they break them, they go to the bottomless pit. But they all get turned loose in Revelation chapter 9 in the, in the tribulation. But their end will come. Number seven, there is a constant ongoing war in the air around us between demons and angels. And so if we could see the spiritual realm now, there is probably right around us here a war going on between demons and angels as they fight over the control of people. We talked about this the last couple of weeks. Revelations 12, 7, there was war in heaven. That word heaven, there's three heavens described in the Bible. God's 
abode space where the stars and everything are and then this everything around us that we breathe is called heaven there was war in heaven Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon the dragon and his angels waged war so this war is going on this is an ongoing thing number eight the angels of God are sent and energized by God on the basis of our prayers and so we looked at that a couple of weeks ago when we pray God commissions sends angels and the more we pray, the more angels get commissioned and sent. When we pray, God energizes, gives strength to angels. And the more we pray, the more strength that they have. We tend to see prayer as, uh, pass the potatoes, please. Simple request that we make that God either answers or he doesn't. But prayer is a, a force. We are energizing, commissioning angels who are warning in the heavenlies against the kingdom of darkness And whoever wins that war controls most of the affairs on the planet Earth. And so the problem in our country today isn't uh, Biden, it's the church. Why? What did we do wrong? We're too lazy to pray much. Therefore, the demons have control, and their favorite target are government officials. That's their number one target, is to control those who are in charge. And so when we see government officials going uh, sideways it's because they're being controlled influenced by the kingdom of darkness and that's able to happen because there's not enough angels being sent and energized to be able to keep them from doing that <clears throat> Daniel ten twelve. he said to me do not be afraid Daniel for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before God uh, Daniel had prayed for 21 days fasted during those times Your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words. Your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia, that's a high-ranking demon that's uh, working in the king of Persia, the country, was withstanding me, warring against me. For 21 days, then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, another high-ranking angel, For I had been left there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to give you an understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision pertains for the days yet future. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground, became speechless. Behold, one who resembled a human being uh, was touching my lips. I opened my mouth and spoke and said to him who was standing before me, O my Lord, as a result of the vision, anguish has come upon me. I I have retained no strength. For how can such a servant of my Lord talk with such as my Lord? As for me, there remains just now no strength in me, nor has any breath been left in me. Then this one with human appearance touched me again and strengthened me. Interesting, there's about seven verses in the Bible that talk about angels giving strength to people. One of those being Jesus himself in the Garden of Gethsemane. Find my place here. He strengthened me. He said, O man of high esteem, do not be afraid. Peace be with you. Take courage. Be courageous. Now, as soon as he spoke to me, I received strength and said, May my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, Do do you understand why I came to you? I shall now return to fight against the prince of Persia. So I am going forth. And behold, the prince of Greece is about to come. Another uh, powerful demon. However, I will tell you what is inscribed in the writing of truth. Yet there is no one who stands firmly with me against these forces except Michael, your prince. And so he's describing this war, this battle going on. Um, Michael and Gabriel with the prince of, of uh, Persia and the prince of Greece. And this fight is going on. And he says to Daniel, 
When you started praying, I was sent. I was commissioned. I've come in response to your words. Daniel prayed for 21 days in order for this thing to take place. So it takes a while. That's why I say prayer is not past the potatoes, please. It's a force. It's a push. It's a battle. It's an ongoing thing. And volume, that's the amount we pray, is important. Number nine, angels of God can whip any demon or demons easily when they are fully energized because of our prayers. So we don't have to worry about uh, the kingdom of God, uh, the angels of God losing. They uh, will lose when we don't pray. But they're much stronger than demons. And there are numerous events, uh, scenes in the Bible where, uh, and I'll read, read them to you. Revelations twelve seven. There was war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels waged war. They were not strong enough. Now this is at uh, the tribulation time. They were not strong enough and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. The great dragon was thrown down. The serpent of old who was called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. So the tribulation is not going to be a fun place to be for a variety of reasons and this is one of them. I heard loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. The accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He who accuses them before our God day and night and they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony and they did not love their life even when faced with death. For this reason rejoice, O heavens, you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has come down to you having great wrath. Woe to you, earth and those who live on it. Uh, The devil is now on the earth And he knows he is in the 15th round. And he doesn't have a lot of time. But he thinks he can win. He thinks he can win. But uh, he's going to really have to work hard to make it happen. He has great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. When the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman, speaking of Israel the nation of Israel during the tribulation. You can read all about that and almost all of the prophets in the Old Testament describe this period with Israel who gave birth to the male child, that is to Jesus. But the two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman so that she could fly into the wilderness to her place where she was nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. So it's pretty easy to see there at the end of when this occurs. It's the last three and a half years of the seven-year tribulation period when this occurs. And so I'm going to be watching... I think we're going to have like a 102-inch screen in heaven and be watching the battle. It's sort of like watching, I'm going to watch football on Monday night, and we watch over there. If you want to come, it's great fun. But we project it on the wall, and it's, you know, it's not quite that big, but it's pretty big. And we watch the football game there, sitting, eating fried chicken and having a great time. And so I'm going to sit in heaven, watch the old devil get his butt kicked. And... Uh, in the end, it's going to be fun. Revelations 5, 8. When he had taken the book, the four living creatures, the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each one holding a harp. This is a scene in heaven. Golden bowls, uh, bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. You ever wonder about that? Read that. This is in heaven. 24 elders. 24 elders, by the way, uh, I believe represent the church. Fell down before the lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Revelation, moving on to chapter 8. Another angel came and stood at the altar holding a golden censer. Much incense was given to him so that he might add it to the prayers of the saints. 
So we got this bowl, bowls that are full of this incense, the, the, the prayers of the saints. And then there's some incense added uh, add to the prayers of the saints on the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire of the altar, and threw it to the earth. So we have this conglomeration, prayers of the saints and the incense and the fire, and it boom, gets dumped on the earth, and there followed peals of thunder and sounds and flashes of lightning and an earthquake, and the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound them. Now, if you remember back when I did the class on prophecy, those seven angels with the seven trumpets, there's groups of seven in the tribulation period, the last group of seven are those guys. And just before they get ready to blow the trumpets, the prayers that we've prayed that have been stored up by God dumped on the earth, and it becomes the basis, uh, the, the power, which then God energizes his angels, and the whole thing is brought to a close. Revelations 20, 1 through 2. I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding the key of the abyss. There's that abyss again. Great chain in his hand, and he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil, uh, Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Laid hold. I think I've told you this before. I have a dog, Roscoe. He's half poodle and half um, Jack, uh, Jack Russell. He's a nice dog, but he's not supposed to sleep in my chair, my recliner. He can be most any place, but not in my chair. And I've scolded him and spanked him. But sometimes I'll sneak in and he's sleeping in my chair. And I'll sneak in and he doesn't see me. And I'll grab him right by the back of the neck on his skin that's real thingy. And I'll pick him up and I'll open the door and I'll throw him out. And so he knows, don't sit in my chair. So how hard was that? Grab him by the scuff of the neck, pitch him out the door. And he laid hold of the dragon. Dragon's got some scuffy skin on the back of his neck. Laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil, Satan, bound him for a thousand years. That dude really is a wimp. Uh, when it gets down to the power that God gives, which came from the bowls of incense, the, the prayers of the saints. Isaiah fourteen twelve. How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning. This is the beginning. And Isaiah, how you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth. You have weakened the nations, but you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Nevertheless, you will be thrust down to shield to the recesses of the pit. That's your future. Number 10, when demons are winning, the people on the earth have a much tougher time in all areas of life. Economy goes bad, wars, diseases, hurricanes, tornadoes. Life just gets bad. That's their goal, um, is to make life miserable for people. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. <clears throat> so when you talk to somebody that doesn't know Jesus, uh, you're not dealing with a person's intellect, you're dealing with supernatural blindness that's taken place because of demons working in their life. 
Matthew 4, 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him, this is Jesus, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world, their glory. He said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Evidently, he had quite a bit of uh, control over the world, which he gained when Adam sinned. Ephesians 2, 2, in which you, that's us, Formerly, before we became believers in Jesus, walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, according to, that means we did what he told us to do. He, we did what he made us do. We walked according to his rules um, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, those who are not believers. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh, of the mind were my nature, children of wrath, even as the rest. And so you have this line, those who are in the family of God because of faith in Jesus and those who are not. And those who are not, it says they're controlled by. They walk according to the desire of these demons. They're controlled by him. They tell them what to do. That's where you were before you became a believer in Jesus. Ephesians six twelve. for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. That is this air that we breathe in. That's what our struggle is against. Number 11, the death of Jesus on the cross greatly reduced the power of Satan and his demons. So we're going to talk about it in a lesson, but... Um, Jesus coming into the world as a human flesh and then being killed on a cross was a mystery. And the demons didn't understand it. It says in one passage in 1 Corinthians, if they had understood that, they would have never killed him. If they had understood that it was the death of Jesus that was going to destroy them, they would have never done it. But they didn't get it. They didn't know that. It was a mystery until after he rose from the dead. <clears throat> Colossians 2.13 when you, when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh that is before you were a believer in Jesus you were dead he made you he made you alive together with him having forgiven us all our transgressions having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us which was hostile to us and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. When he had disarmed, here's a cool part. He disarmed the rulers and authorities. He made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. And so probably what Jesus did when he rose from the dead, all these demons, he put a chain around their neck, connected them with, with uh, chains and paraded them through heaven. And all the angels, ha, ah, <laughs> ha, you wimpos, you thought you could win. Ah. He made a public display of them, having triumphed over them. And uh, that's what happened when he rose from the dead. Hebrews 2, 14. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, that's me, he himself likewise, speaking of Jesus, also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless. Through death, his death on the cross, render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. So Jesus came, died on the cross, set us free from the power, the control of Satan that he has over the world and over the lives of every lost person. John 16, 11, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. The ruler of this world has been judged. I have many more things to say, you, uh, say to you, but you cannot bear them now. 
John 12, now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, speaking of his death on the cross, I will draw all men to myself. 12, the church is now the ruler of the world. The devil was before the death of Jesus. He was in charge. So now we can say, hey, demons, I'm in charge now. Not you. The church is now the ruler of the world and we exercise our authority through prayer and the proclamation of the word of God. We are the boss and we exercise our authority, our rulership through prayer and the word of God. Matthew 16, 18. I also say to you that you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church. I'll build my church. The gates of Hades, the gates of hell will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in in heaven. That's authority. I will give you the keys. Authority. What you bind will be bound. What you loose will be loose. Because you're the church. And we do that when we pray. Colossians 1.16 For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth. By him that is Jesus. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And so included in that thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities are Satan and demons. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is also head of the body, the church. Jesus is the head of the body of the church. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. Ephesians 1, I pray that the eyes of your art may be enlightened. And he's praying for the church at Ephesus. And he's basically saying, you guys just are sort of stupid and dumb. You don't get it. I'm praying that God will open your eyes so that you can see, hear, understand. That you may be enlightened, understand, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, what is the surpassing greatness of his power, the surpassing greatness of his power toward us. That you will get it. You will understand how much power you have as the church. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority, angels and demons, and power and dominion, in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet, gave him his head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So we are the church. We've been given the keys, the authority, the power, and the kingdom of darkness now must obey us as we pray and exercise that authority. Ephesians 2, 6, raised raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Matthew 18, 18 For truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. We've been given the keys, the authority. Whatever you bind will be bound. Whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything that you may ask, that you may ask, that's prayer, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. So that's a wonderful passage describing uh, 
Somebody that's in the back, would you see if you can grab a bottle of water? I'd drink out of that one, but I think that was Mike's. He's got some dreaded disease. <laughs> Keeps him from catching fish. So let me read that Matthew 18 to you again. Oh, look at here. It's one right here. Now, Dr. Bain didn't drink out of that, did he? Okay. Matthew 18, 2, again. Uh, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That's a statement that we have authority. Again, again I say to you, I'm going to say it a different way. That if two of you agree on earth about anything that you may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. Romans sixteen twenty. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Will crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. 13, spiritual warfare praying is done mostly in, in and during the corporate prayer time of the church. So if I'm going to go to battle in Iran or Iraq or uh, China or wherever, I'm not going to go by myself. I'm going to go with a bunch of other people as an army. And so we, the church, have authority but it's not me. It's us. It's us, the church. Matthew eighteen eighteen again. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall have bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, there I am in their midst. Now, lots of things I can pray for by myself. I spend about an hour a day praying all by myself. I pray for you all and uh, my kids and my grandkids. And I pray that God will bless them, guide them. And the prayers that Paul prayed, I've memorized those and I pray those. First uh, John 5, 10. Uh, this is a cool passage. The one who believes in the Son of God. Now, in the Greek language, there's you Y-O-U. And in the Greek language, there's a word for you all. And there's a different word for you, me, one. So you all, you. There's two words. In the English language, there's only one word. You have to decide from the context whether it's you all or you. Sometimes it's hard to say. It tell. First John 5.10, the one who believes in the Son of God has a testimony in himself. The one who does not believe in God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given concerning his Son. Talking about an individual responsibility to trust Jesus. The testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. That's all he, him, you. Now, same author, moving on. These things I have written to you. That you is you all, plural. I've written to you all who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you all may know that you all have eternal life. This is the confidence which we, now that's obvious there that is pearl because it's we, we have before him. This is the confidence which we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have been asked from him. That's amazing as you go through the New Testament, especially the writings of Paul, and look at the topic of prayer. Whenever prayer is talked about, it's almost always in the plural uh, instead of the singular. 
Acts 1.12, then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olive, Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. These were the people who saw Jesus ascend to heaven. And when they had entered the city, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. That is Peter and John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon the zealot, Judas the son of James. These all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer. These all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer. The one mind statement makes it obvious that they were hearing each other pray. Uh, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And at this time, Peter stood up in the midst of the brethren, a gathering of about 120 persons. 120 people gathered together. They prayed for 10 days. Acts 20, verse 36, when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. He knelt down and prayed with them all. This is the church of Ephesus. Paul's telling him, I'm going to Rome. I'm probably not coming back. I'll never see you again. And so they all are sad and crying. And they all kneel down. And he prayed with them all. Ephesians 6.10. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Now, this is all plural. Every, every pronoun in this passage in Ephesians is plural. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you, you all, will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you, you all, will be able to resist in the evil day, having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. You will be able to extinguish all of them and take up the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God with all prayer and petition. Pray at all times in the spirit with all prayer and petition. Pray at all times in the spirit with this in view. Be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. All plural. 14, the one, the one verse that people use to rebuff corporate prayer is used out of context. And so sometimes when I ask people, I say, you didn't ever come to the five days of prayer. Well, I don't believe in praying with other people. Really? And it'll be one verse that they'll use uh, to proof text their statement. And it really isn't on the basis of this. It's because they don't want to. It's nice when you don't want to do something to find some verse that will support that. Matthew 6, 1, beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. So the point of this passage is showing off. Showing off for the purpose of impressing people. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be honored by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving will be in secret and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. Now, he's talking about motive. Motive. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, pray to your Father who is in secret. Your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So that's the passage that people use all the time with me against corporate prayer. And I'll say, well, what about the 120 that prayed together? What about the church in Acts 4 that prayed together? What about those people that prayed for Peter's release? They was one big people. Now, what immediately follows that passage about going into your closet is the Lord's Prayer. Pray then in this way. Our, what's that? 
our. That's plural. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us, us, that's us, not me. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. Do you know if Jesus really meant for us never to pray with other people, only to pray by ourselves, that prayer would have been, give me, not us. He would have reinforced that point. The point he's making is... uh, You ever sit in the prayer room and don't pray because you're afraid of what people will think? That's what he's talking about. Uh, We agree. Where two or three have gathered in my name and when you agree. And so when you pray, I pray and I agree. That's where the power is. Fifteen, the most powerful corporate prayer meeting on the planet Earth is the prayer of a husband and a wife. I believe that without a shadow of a doubt. And so Patty and I have prayed for our kids over the years. Somebody said the other day, you got eight wonderful kids. How'd that happen? I said, we prayed for them every day. Patty and I, we're the most powerful force on the planet Earth. And when we pray in agreement, when two have gathered in my name and agree about what they ask, I'll do it. Now, it's the power of the agreement that makes the power in the prayer. And we have a great agreement when we talk and pray about our kids. There's a lot of husband and wives don't pray together because they're too busy or it's, eh, it's kind of scary, intimidating, whatever the reason is. It's, uh, I mean, you're really shortchanging uh, power that could go to angels when you as couples don't pray together. So I'm going to lay it at the feet of the husband. He's the spiritual leader, but sometimes the wife says, no, I don't want to, or whatever. And I wonder... Uh, missing out. 1 Corinthians 7, 3. The husband must fulfill his duty to his wife. Now this is talking about sexual relationship between a husband and wife and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body. The husband does. Likewise also the husband does not have authority over his own body. The wife does. Stop depriving one another except by agreement for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Come together again so Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. You know, you could spend like a a day reading that and writing out observations and conclusions. One of them might be, only thing that's more important between Patty and I than sex is prayer. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, you know, you can make your own up, whatever they are. Uh, but it's the fact that prayer between a husband and wife is elevated. It's powerful. It's the most powerful force on the planet Earth. 16, the primary way that Satan and demons influence our lives now is by talking to us, putting thoughts into our mind that control us if we don't control them. Now, there could come a point where he can, they can actually touch us physically if we open the door, if we do things that then allow them access to our life. But if you're you know, doing a reasonable job, reading the Bible, praying, coming to church, and you've got the doors closed on that cage around you, the only way they can then influence you by is talking to you. And you hear them in your thoughts. Second Corinthians 2.11 so, so that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan for we are not ignorant of his schemes. We are not ignorant of his schemes. His schemes. Second Corinthians 11.3 But I am afraid, Paul writing to the church at Corinth, that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. 
So how did Satan tempt Eve? He talked to her. Come on, God knows if you eat that fruit, you're going to become just like him. Do it, do it. You can do it. Come on, come on. And he deceived her. And that our minds will be led astray from the purity and devotion to Christ. 1 Peter 5, 8, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Psalms 10, 8 through 10, he sits in the lurking places of the villages, in the hiding places. He kills the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the unfortunate. He lurks in a hiding place as a lion in his lair. He lurks to catch the afflicted. He catches the afflicted. When he draws him into his net, he crouches, he bows down. The unfortunate fall by his mighty ones. Psalms 44, all day long my dishonor is before me. My humiliation has overwhelmed me. My humiliation has overwhelmed me. Why? Because of the voice of him who reproaches and reviles. Because of the presence of the enemy and the avenger. These thoughts come into your mind. You're dirt. You're nothing. You're stupid. You're ugly. You can't do anything. Nobody likes you. That's what he does. The voice of him who reproaches and reviles. 17, the more we listen to demons and let those thoughts control our decisions, the more power they have over our life. So the biggest problem we have is we don't listen to our own thoughts. They just happen. And, uh, and those thoughts that are from him will come. And his scheme is start small, build. 18, as the power and influence of demons over us grows, there comes a point in which we are held captive by them to do the will of the devil rather than the will of God. That's what Paul said. I'm afraid that you are now controlled by demons. A lot of believers can backslide, backslide, and they get to the point where now demons are controlling their life. 2 Corinthians 11.3, I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. 2 Timothy 2.24, the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged. Now Paul's writing to a pastor who has people in his church that are arguing with him and debating, creating problems. Don't be quarrelsome, but be kind, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Having been held captive by him to do his will. 19, Satan hates prayer, the word of God, and he will say over and over again to us, don't pray, don't read the Bible, don't go to church, don't go to Pastor D's class. (laughs) That last one he'll really say to you. And so... We hear five days of prayer comes. Ah, I'm too tired tonight. Where'd that come from? Ah, I think I'll watch whatever. Where'd that come from? I'll read the Bible tomorrow. Where'd that come from? They don't want you to pray. They have no defense against prayer. And they will do everything in their power to keep you from praying with the church. 20, the more we read the Bible, the more scripture that we have memorized, the less power the devil's voice has in our life. Somebody asked me, Pastor, that verse about being held captive by the devil to do his will rather than God's, that scares me, worries me. I said, do you read the Bible? 
A little. Read it every day. Read it every day. Memorize two verses a week. And you'll be good. You'll be good. He won't be able to control your mind if you do that. Hebrews 5.13. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness. Not accustomed to the word of righteousness. That means they don't read it much. For he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature who because of practice, that's the Greek word gymnasto, we get the word gymnastics from, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. You know that's from the devil. When you read the word, you're accustomed to it. 21, the bottom line in this lesson is that the devil and his demons are alive and well. They are doing pretty much anything they want in our world today because the church isn't praying much. And so you personally, as you live your life, read the word every day. Memorize a couple of verses. Spend some time in prayer. And you'll whip the devil every time he tries to get near you. And then pray with your church. That's when the kingdom of darkness is pushed back and there gets to be breathing room, as it were, for the Spirit of God to work in the lives of people who don't know Jesus. Luke 18, 1. Let me close with this passage. Now, he was telling them a parable, Jesus was, to show that at all times, all times, all times, they ought to pray. Now, that doesn't mean 24 hours a day, but it means a lot. They ought to pray, not to lose heart. Sometimes people say to me, I don't want to pray because I'm supposed to. Why? I mean, if Jesus says you ought to pray, that means you're supposed to. That motivates me. You ought to pray, not lose heart. Saying, in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God, did not respect man. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him and saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I'll give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. The Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? Day and night? That's a lot of praying. And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when he, the Son of God comes, will he find faith on the earth? You know why people don't pray? Ah, I don't think it makes that much difference. Our faith is weak. And so the statement Jesus is making there is, I wonder, when I come back, am I going to find much faith? Am I going to find the church praying? So the more we pray, the more power we have. The more we pray, the less power the kingdom of darkness has. And we create this environment around our church where there's less and fewer angels and the Spirit of God can work and draw people to faith in Christ. And so we don't reach people, we don't make disciples, we don't grow because we have great programs. We reach people and grow because the Spirit of God is drawing them and convicting them and empowering the saints to teach and to do programs that work and meet needs. But if it weren't for the praying, nothing would work. Uh, But that's what makes everything work, is God's power. And he gives it to those who pray. The more we pray, the more we get. The more we pray, the more power the angels get. The more the demons are forced out of the environment in which we live. Amen? All right. Uh, the devil's going to talk to you this week. Say, ah, I'm not going to go to D's class next week. It's boring. Don't, don't believe him. 
We'll, we'll, we'll spice it up a little. Tell a few more jokes. Come back next week. Bring someone with you. Let me close in prayer. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of it. Thank you for the authority we've been given as the church. I pray we would exercise that authority. We would sit on the throne that we have and use it to stomp Satan under our feet and to set the captives free. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.